0: Today we remember their honor and their sacrifice. We celebrate this Memorial Day weekend. The sacrifice, we recognize the sacrifice of those who have served in the armed forces for the cause of freedom. Many of you are here and you have a mom or a dad or a grandparent or a brother a sister, an uncle, an aunt, a son or daughter, a wife or husband An uncle, an aunt, that served in the armed forces is no longer with us. And today we'd like to honor their memory. So if that's the case, if you have a loved one who served in our U.S. armed forces and is no longer with us, would you stand to represent them right now? We are so thankful for their sacrifice, for their service. We're thankful for the sacrifice that you gave as they served our country and as they gave up themselves for the cause of freedom. And so today we, we remember and we honor them. Thank you, you may be seated. We're thankful today and mindful of that sacrifice. And as we do that, we remember why they served. Why is it that, were, that they were willing to risk their lives? And the one overarching value of our country is freedom. It, it's been the value since the beginning of this experiment. Those that have come before us have passed on to us a heritage of freedom. freedom we say, is the American ideal. We sing that this is the land of the brave and the home of the free. We proclaim that we are one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. We have a statue of liberty that's a colossal reminder, a colossal symbol of this heritage of freedom. And yet, The freedom ideal did not start with the birth of the United States. We as Americans have a heritage of freedom that dates back to the 1700s. But as the people of God, we have a heritage of freedom that dates back thousands of years. And it goes back to the heart of God. I believe that's what Jesus wanted his disciples to know. And and what he's saying to them in John chapter 8 verse 32, if you'd like to go there with me. John chapter 8, verse 32, as Jesus is speaking to those who have believed in him, he says this in verse 32, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus wants us as his disciples to know that. I wanna draw a couple of things from this text and then an implication about freedom. And the first thing is that freedom has a price. Freedom is not free, freedom is not cheap. Jesus wanted his disciples to know the truth and, and he said that the truth would set them free. The truth liberates. So what is this truth that Jesus talks about? Notice the verse right before the one that we read, verse 31. He says, to the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus told those who believed his message that if they embraced that message, if they would become his disciples, they would come to the knowledge of the truth, and that truth would set them free. The truth It's the gospel. The truth that liberates us, it's the good news of Jesus Christ. The truth that sets us free is the story of a God whose redemptive love reached towards lost humanity that lived in bondage. That's the gospel, that's the truth that liberates. When God first placed man and woman in the Garden of Eden, he made them free to choose. He did not force them to obey him. He did not uh, program them as some kind of computer or robot so that they would have the right response automatically. He made them free to choose. And he warned them about the consequences of their choices. Freedom means you get to choose, but it also means you have responsibility for your choice. So God gave them the freedom to eat of any tree in the Garden of Eden. There were all kinds of trees in that garden, beautiful fruit trees in a paradise and God said you can eat out of all these trees, all of these trees. You can eat and enjoy and have your fill but you must not eat of the one tree because when you do, you will surely die. There are consequences for the wrong choice. God gave them that freedom and they chose To disobey, they chose to eat of the one tree that was forbidden, and death was the consequence. When the deceiver showed up, he cast doubt on God's word, because that's what Satan does. Satan casts doubt on God's word. Whatever God has spoken, Satan says, really? Is it really so? Did God really say that? Did he really mean, ah, you're not really going to die? In fact, you're going to become like God. You'll be better off if you eat of the forbidden fruit. And so they disobeyed, and they experienced the consequences. They were alienated from God for the first time in their lives. They felt what it's like to be separated from their creator. That constant fellowship that they enjoyed was no longer. It was a spiritual death, and and they felt shame and guilt. They they had to hide from God, and, and because of their disobedience, they were cast out of the Garden of Eden. The lie of Satan... Led them to a life of bondage. They lost their freedom. And every human being becomes a slave to sin. We, we choose to listen to the lies that make us live in bondage. Whether we're born in a family of faith or a family of no faith, whether we're born to a Christian family or, or a Jewish family or a Muslim family or an atheist family or a Roman Catholic family, if we Listen to the lies of the enemy. If we choose sin, it will lead us to bondage. Jesus said in verse 34 of of John 8, listen to what he said. "Very, Very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. But here's the good news of the gospel, that Christ came to set us free. Christ came to pay for our freedom, the freedom that we lost because of our choice. The consequences of sin is death. The prize for our freedom was the life of Jesus given on our behalf. Jesus went to the cross on our behalf. He poured out his life, his innocent holy life, so that you and I can be free, so that you and I could call on his name and be free. The lies of the enemy enslave us The God of truth rewrote our story because he came to rescue us. The the freedom that we enjoy in this country caused the lives of of many men and women. Freedom has a price. The freedom to worship in this place today without anybody interfering with us has caused the lives of of preachers and authors and faithful Christians who have been martyred to, to defend our religious freedom. But freedom from the bondage of sin cost God the life of his very own dear, beloved, one and only son. I was listening to the news, watching the news uh, this week, and, and I saw on the TV screen a, a, a phase that I recognized. It's a police officer who, who was a, a student in in our church when we pastored in Fort Worth. He was one of our youth and and he became a police officer. And I started listening to the story. The story was about an eight-year-old little girl by the name of Salem. Salem was kidnapped in Fort Worth uh, last Saturday. Uh, There was a car that came by and she was walking with her mom and and, and they grabbed the little eight-year-old girl and the mom stayed there. It was all captured by by a doorbell camera from across the street and so they had the description of the car and, and the name of the girl and they put the information out and, and as the information went out a pastor that had been in contact with the family 15 years ago recognized their names and he said to the detective what can I do and he said well look at parks look at hotels and he started looking in the Forest Hill area of Fort Worth and and, and he came on a hotel and he saw the car that had been described that had been seen in the video, and he, he called the police. It was 2 a.m. The police had already gone to that hotel earlier looking, but they hadn't found anything. But this this pastor kept looking past midnight, and at 2 a.m., she, he found that car. He called the police. Ivan Gomez was among those, that, uh, that youth that, that was part of our church, and, and they responded to the call, and they went to the room, and they found little eight-year-old Salem safe and sound eight hours after she had been kidnapped. Now, can you imagine what it'd been like if they hadn't found her? Can you imagine? The life of captivity and the brokenness that she would have lived with had, had this pastor not taken the time to look for her in the wee hours of the night. Can you imagine what would have happened if the, if the Fort Worth police were not willing to risk their lives in entering a room to rescue a little girl without knowing what to expect. But, but somebody cared enough to look. Somebody cared enough to risk their lives. Somebody cared enough because this little girl was precious and now is restored to her parents. She's been reunited to her family. One day, Jesus looked down at us and the enemy had kidnapped us and he cared enough to look for us and he sought us out. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, on our behalf. He risked his life. He gave his life. He found us where we were so that we could be rescued and we could be reunited with our heavenly father to a life of freedom. That's what Jesus did for us. Freedom has a price. It cost Jesus his life. Freedom, secondly, is a person. The truth of the gospel that makes us free is more than just a story. It's more than just a body of knowledge or a list of propositions. The truth that we're talking about here is a person, and his name is Jesus, Knowing the truth involves relating to Jesus as his disciples. That's what verse 36 means when Jesus says the following in that same chapter 8 of John. He says, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Jesus is the truth that sets us free. Freedom comes when we know Him personally. Freedom comes when we allow him to be our king. Freedom comes when we call out to him, as the song said earlier, and when we walk daily trusting him. It's important that we recognize this. This is really, really critical. The truth and ultimate freedom doesn't come from adhering to a religion. The truth and ultimate freedom doesn't come from holding on to a creed or a doctrinal statement. You can believe the right creed, you can believe the right doctrines, but if you don't know Jesus personally, you don't know freedom. It's the Son that sets you free. Elsewhere, Jesus declares, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but for me. Jesus said, I am the truth. Jesus is the truth and all truth comes through him. Jesus is truer than the best of our doctrinal statements. Jesus is truer than the best Christian denomination. Jesus is truer than the best American ideals. If we love freedom, we begin with Jesus, we stay with Jesus, and we end with Jesus. This, couple of weeks ago, I got a call from faith leaders in the White House, and and they said, Pastor Julio, we'd like to come down chief provost chief of u.s border patrol and acting commissioner john sanders of customs and border patrol and john hill from homeland security and some pastors of big churches around the country like prestonwood and church in dallas and gateway and coral Ridge presbyterian in florida and christ fellowship in west palm beach and we'd like to come down and we'd like to do a tour of the detention facilities when the migrant families are being held in McAllen. And then we'd like to have a lunch with local pastors. Would you help us? Would you help us call local pastors and, and host this lunch? And I said, well, what is it that you're trying to do? And, and he said, well, we have two objectives. The first objective is we want to ask churches to be welcoming zones. We, we, we need, uh, as, as the U.S. Border Patrol, We need places to, after we process these immigrant families, we need them to go to safe places, healing places, where they will be welcomed, where they won't be at risk of human traffickers. and, And we are asking churches to help us with that. Some are already doing it, but we need more churches to do it. And the second thing he said that we need is we need churches to be supportive of our, of our border patrol agents and our law enforcement officers who, who risk their lives and, and who work hard and who are dealing with things that they weren't trained to do, like like sometimes bottle feeding a, a, a baby that's been dropped off without their parents at the border. And uh, w- w- would you do that? And I said, if those are the two things that you want to do, then of course. So we, we put a lunch together and... And, uh, and, and, and we had them over at Valley Baptist Retreat Center, and, and we talked about these things to the local pastors, and we heard what they had to say. And, uh, and, and I remembered as this was going on that you don't have to be a Democrat to care for hurting migrant families. And you don't have to be a Republican to be supportive of our Border Patrol and our armed forces and our law enforcement. You just have to be like Christ because Christ said that when you minister to the least of this, you minister to him. And Christ said that we should respect and obey the authorities that he has put in place. And so if you're like Christ, then then you don't see a conflict between these two things. See, following Jesus sometimes doesn't fit in a paradigm. Sometimes it doesn't fit in a platform. Following Jesus means that sometimes people will think you're liberal, and sometimes people will think you're an ultra-conservative. And I really don't care if people think I'm a liberal or a conservative or a progressive or anything else. I'm not working for any of those labels. The label I want to work for is to be Christ-like. For if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And Jesus is where freedom is found. So my commitment is to Jesus first and foremost. I want every decision, every action that I take to be guided, not by a political agenda, not by a denominational loyalty, but by a total surrender to the authority of Jesus Christ. If the Son sets you free, you will be free Indeed, So let me finish with this implication, this third point, that freedom is for all people. Throughout history, the United States has been involved in various wars. Often these wars have been fought to protect the U.S. own interest. But many times, the wars have been fought to protect the freedom of other countries. Men and women in our armed forces have given their lives of have sacrificed or have become disabled to secure the freedom of other countries. That's because people who know freedom understand that freedom is for all people, not just for one nation, not just for one group. When another nation or group is denied freedom, it chips away at our own freedom. See, freedom is the one thing that the more that you pass on, the more you have. God created every human being with the ability to choose. God holds us responsible for our choices. But he gives us the freedom to choose. He gave that freedom to Adam and Eve. We already talked about that. Moses reminded the people of Israel of that freedom in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. He said, this day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now, choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice and hold fast to him. Isn't it interesting that the Lord in all of his sovereignty, in all of his power, never forces his people to obey him? Isn't it interesting that that the commandment to love him is a commandment that cannot be forced? It has to be born out of a free heart. You can't force people to love you. Loving someone is a choice of the heart. And the only way that we can love God is if we're free to choose that. One generation later after Moses, Joshua stands before the people and he reminds them of the same choice in Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. He says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of the ancestors beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Joshua says, I'm making a choice and I wish you would make the same choice I'm making, but I can't force you. You must make the choice on your own. When God sent his son to earth, he he gave us the choice to either receive him or reject him. John chapter 1 verses 11 and 12 say, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Verse 12 to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Not only did God give the Jews freedom to choose or reject him, but he opened it up for everyone to make a choice, to all who received him, to all, not to most, not to some, But to all who received him, to them he gave the power, the right to become children of God. It is very inclusive. God wants every person to have an opportunity to respond to his love. God wants every person to experience the freedom that comes through Jesus. But God doesn't force anyone to do so. He compels us. He seeks us out. He loves us. But he doesn't force us. And because God has given that freedom to everyone, and because God has made every human capable of relating to him directly, we should not impose any religion by force on anyone. You know, as parents, we're supposed to teach our children faith. That, that's what the Bible says. We're supposed to train them in the way of the Lord. But when it comes to, to an unbelieving world, we, we proclaim the gospel. We don't ask government to help us enforce the gospel. We don't look for for laws that will impose belief on people. That's a violation of religious freedom. Many of our ancestors suffered religious persecution in England and in the European countries where they came from. They were Christians who followed their conscience in matters of faith. They were persecuted not by atheists. They were persecuted not by secularists. They were persecuted by Christians. The government had favored a particular brand of Christianity and it forbid any freedom of conscience. And for that, many of our Baptist forebears were burned at the stake, were impelled, they were drowned, cut, their tongues were cut out. They were imprisoned, not by a secular government, but by a religious government. See, our Baptist ancestors believed strongly that every citizen should have the religious freedom to choose for himself or herself how to worship God or not to worship God. This is based on the nature of God. It's based on the nature of the gospel. It's the way God created us with the freedom to choose, with the freedom to respond to him without interference from any government or institution. These heroes of the faith suffered and died for the sake of religious freedom. That's our heritage, let's remember that. Roger Williams came from England and he founded Rhode Island. The Rhode Island colony was the first colony with complete religious freedom. And he founded the first ever Baptist church in America. And he was a proponent of religious liberty for everyone. He himself at that time held to the Baptist conviction But he believed that Protestants, Catholics, Jews, and Muslims and atheists should have the freedom to worship as their conscience guides them or not worship at all. He was a proponent of of the wall of separation between church and state before Thomas Jefferson ever wrote about it. In the 1600s, Roger Williams wrote about the ships that were coming over from the old world to the new world. He wrote like this, there goes many a ship to sea with many hundred souls in one ship whose weal and woe is common, as is a true picture of a commonwealth or a human combination or society. He has fallen out sometimes at papists, that's what he would call Catholics, Protestants, Jews and Turks, Turks is another way to refer to Muslims, may be embarked in one ship upon which supposal I affirm that all the liberty of conscience that I ever pleaded for turns about these two hinges, that none of the papists, Protestants, Jews or Turks be forced to come to the ship's prayers or worship nor be compelled or restrained from their own particular prayers or worship if they practice any. And so he believed that, that that should be the case not just for Rhode Island but for all the newly founded colonies. Our heritage is the heritage of religious freedom. We should remember that and we should champion it for all people. We should learn from history whether it's the Holy Inquisition or or the way that the Church of England treated uh, the Quakers and the separatists, we should learn that that the idea of a government that tries to favor one denomination over another should be rejected. We should oppose the idea that a government that persecutes any religion or the non-religious should be stopped. That's why our forefathers ensured that our Constitution included the Establishment Clause in the First Amendment. First Amendment of our Constitution says Congress shall make no law uh, respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. And Thomas Jefferson wrote a letter in 1802 to a Baptist church in Connecticut because he knew that Baptists understood this concept. And he expressed what what, what his interpretation of the Establishment Clause was. This is how he writes in 1802 to Baptist Church in Danbury, Connecticut. I contemplate with sovereign reverence that act of the whole American people which declared that their legislature should make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, thus building a wall of separation between church and state. A free church in a free state. That's the Baptist ideal. That's our heritage. That's the freedom that many people have died for. That's the freedom that we should champion because God is the God of freedom. We should champion religious freedom because the gospel should be proclaimed so that people can voluntarily respond to it. The gospel should be proclaimed in an environment where people can say yes, not because they're forced, not because they're compelled, not because it's convenient, but because the Holy Spirit has brought them to the point of repentance and salvation because other Christians in other countries suffer persecution. We should advocate for the religious freedom of all people, of all religions. This past spring has been a sad chapter in the history of houses of worship. Back in March, in Christchurch, New Zealand, two mosques were attacked by an active shooter, and 50 people died while they were worshiping. And then in April, on Easter Sunday in Sri Lanka, ISIS opened fire on churches, killing 250 people that were celebrating Easter, 45 children in their midst, who were just going to church. And Then just a few weeks later, here in our own country, in the San Diego area, Someone went into a synagogue on Passover, a holy feast of the Jews, and he opened fire, killing one woman, injuring three people, including the rabbi. Mosques, churches, synagogues, all places of worship where people should be free to worship according to their conscience. All evil acts. Sometimes when I read history and I, and I read about the religious persecution that that people uh, underwent in the Middle Ages and the torture that they went, it's hard for me to even comprehend. But it's even harder for me to understand how in the 21st century, there's still so much religious intolerance and so much hatred. It has no place. It has no place for the people of God, for Christ followers. There is no place for religious intolerance and for hatred. It might not be government order, but but it might be propaganda order, social media encouraged. We should be careful as people of God that there are people who have given their lives for our freedom, and we remember them as heroes of the faith. They've suffered and died for the sake of religious freedom, and we're compelled to uphold it. For the people of God, there should be no room for this kind of, of hatred. For those who know the son who makes us free, we should advocate for the protection and the freedom of all religions and the non-religious because God loves them and Christ died for them. And as we remember this, we remember that Christ gave his life so that we could be free and we commit to live a life of freedom and to proclaim that freedom to others. We have a heritage of freedom as Americans. We have a heritage of freedom as Baptists. We have a heritage of freedom as the people of God. As followers of Jesus, we have a heritage of freedom. Freedom comes from God. We should proclaim it. We should defend it and we should live in it. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Let's bow our heads. Think about what freedom means to you think about what the sacrifice for freedom means to you today. Think about how it is that God is asking you to respond to his proclamation of freedom, to his word. Perhaps you don't know the son, the son that can set you free. You haven't come to a full knowledge of the truth And today the Holy Spirit is tugging at your heart and saying to you, today is the day that you need to come to the knowledge of the truth. You need to trust Jesus, who is the truth. And you want to say to him, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. You can say that to him right now, where you are. I know that I'm a sinner. And I know that sin leads to bondage. I don't want to live in bondage. I want the freedom that you offer, so I receive it. I receive what you did on the cross and your resurrection from the dead. I want you to be my savior, my Lord. I want to follow you. So make me a free person and help me to live in freedom. I receive that, like John 1, 12 says. He I want to be your child. If you pray that prayer right where you are, God will listen, and he will come in and do what he's promised to do, what we've been singing about, what we've been preaching about. He'll do it if you trust him. Maybe what God is calling you to today is to meditate on your freedom, on the price that has been paid to obtain your freedom, the time of gratitude and worship. Maybe your call is, is to grow as a disciple so that you could know this truth that Jesus is talking about grow in the knowledge of the truth and the freedom that he offers. Maybe your commitment today is to be an advocate of religious freedom. You wanna be a champion for others so that we can work for a world where there's, there are free churches in free states until Jesus comes back. You'll do your part Maybe it's as simple as following him in believer's baptism. You want to be baptized tonight, or next Sunday, or you want to join the church. Whatever God is calling you to do, say yes to him right where you are. Right there where you are, say yes to him. Father, we thank you for your word. and We ask that you give us the faith to obey you, that you help us to trust you so that we can live in the freedom that you died to offer to us. We trust that you're working in the hearts of people here today, bringing about conviction and transformation, bringing about repentance and salvation. Allow your Holy Spirit to be at freedom in this place. We open our hearts to you. As you continue to respond to God's word, I'm gonna ask you to stand quietly to your feet. We're gonna declare Jesus our King. We're gonna crown him. As we crown him, we'll trust him to free us. So you sing and you respond.